Yo. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Autumn is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and wife who is obsessed with her husband and four crazy kids. She is also the CEO of the Autumn Miles Ministry, as well as a lipstick and lash enthusiast. Autumn's vision is to speak to the culture with bold truth and challenge you to act in raw faith. Here's Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. You know how much I love you guys out there. Well, we opened up in Texas, so it's not too much of a risk for you. We're able to go out and kind of walk around. I understand we have to do the social distancing and stuff like that. My husband and I and my four totally crazy kids did get out this past weekend. And it was kind of like a breath of fresh air for me. I've got to be honest. We saw people. (laughs) So I love people. It's so nice to see people. Um, We were able to eat out at a restaurant and I've never been more grateful for our community, for our city. I'm so proud of where we live, Dallas, Texas. We love you guys so much. I'm so grateful. And I think that's a good place to be when you're grateful for the simple things. I'm so grateful to go to parks with my kids. I'm so grateful to go sit down in a restaurant. And to be honest, two months ago, we did it because we were so incredibly busy. We um, had to go eat at a restaurant because I couldn't cook. So these little this this season in our life, I do know that states are beginning to open up and eventually things will turn to some sort of normal. I um we're gonna take a little left turn or we're gonna kind of divert from uh, what we've been talking about, which is a lot about this virus. And um, we're doing that because I feel like um, it's time to get back to a sense of normal. Um, we have a guest. Her name is Bronwyn Lee. She has released a book. It's called Beyond Awkward Side Hugs. As soon as my team pitched this to me, you guys know we're really choosy about who we have on the show. And just, I want to make sure that our content will resonate with you. It's biblically sound. It's biblically based. Um, and I think this is a topic that is just not talked about very much. It's kind of like an elephant in the room. Um, Bronwyn uh, does, uh, does a lot of things. She's been in uh, ministry for a very, very long time, 20 years in vocational ministry. She teaches. She's a preacher. She's a graduate of law school and seminary, which, I mean, hello, she's a genius. Come on. Um, she also works with Propel Women. I think a lot of us women have heard about Propel. We follow Propel. Um, she uh, she does a lot of their in- editorial content for, for, blog, for one of their blogs and things like that. But she has written this book, Brian, Awkward Side Hugs. I want to go ahead and introduce her to the show so she can talk about this important topic. Welcome, Bronwyn, to the show. We're so happy to have you. Hey, Autumn. I am thrilled to be with you. Thanks for having me. I, like we talked about just briefly before the show, I'm obsessed with this book. Um, I I want you to tell me the heart behind it here in just a second, but I have a lot of men that are my friends, okay? Uh, One in particular is, I mean, he's been my friend. As a matter of fact, he was, I'm in a group text with him, his wife, my husband, and me. And um, we've been friends for 12 years. He's one, I would definitely consider him one of my best friends. But we've been willing, we've been, um, we've maintained a legitimate brotherhood, sisterhood friendship. 
for 12 years. And I think in the church, people, uh, the, people of the opposite sex kind of don't know how to be friends with people of the opposite sex. Like, and, and I know that that's kind of a little bit of what your book's about, but that's why I had you on the show. Because I think it's important that um, we learn how to navigate this um, biblically. Tell me about your book, Beyond Awkward Side Hugs, and what is the, the heart behind it? Thanks for asking. That's a Well, as you can tell, I have an accent. I mean, <laughs> right? So I'm not from here. Um, I moved to the States uh, 16 years ago from South Africa and arrived, you know, from one church context into something very different. And so much of that was familiar. You know, the gospel remains the same. God, the father is the same. The scriptures we are reading the same. And then the church culture varies greatly from Mm -hmm. place to place. Right. Mm -hmm. And I immediately got into ministry and I was doing college ministry, which is what I'd done in South Africa. And uh, if there's one topic that comes up a lot in college ministry, it's relationships. (laughs) And right. Everybody wants to know about dating, sex and marriage and how to be engaged and how do you know if it's the one and like just lots of questions about navigating relationships. Um, And then um, as I got older and sort of like matured with my people, I found myself doing more and more adult ministry, women's ministry. And now I serve on the pastoral team of our church. Um, And we and people still want to talk about relationships. It just keeps on coming up. How do they navigate this friendship? Uh, this person's marriage has fall fallen apart. Can they still be friends with the the ex? You know, <laughs> when they used to have couple friends. How does this work when someone becomes a widow? What happens when someone is a single in their thirties and their forties, and they find all of a sudden that uh, the people who used to be their friends aren't sure that they can be their friends anymore because now it's seen as maybe inappropriate. And I think some of this just really comes from uh, us having heard so many horror stories about things that went wrong. There were affairs, there was abuse, there was um, betrayals of trust. And we not wanting to to see people hurt, not wanting to do things wrong, um, just pull back. We Mm -hmm. we put caution tape around a whole bunch of relationships. We we put up fences to try and keep people safe. But the, the net result of that is that we put people in pens. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't, that might keep them safe, although I actually am not sure it necessarily keeps us safe um, because it's character, right? (laughs) That keeps us safe, not caution, um, ultimately in the long run. Um, But it also means we have very siloed churches where community suffers. Mm. And the more conversations I had with people in the church over years, um, I just long for the church to look like the family that God has made us to be. He made us to be close. He made us to love one another. That's how the world is supposed to know that we are his disciples. Um, and so I had sort of this twin growth in me just over years of conversation on one kind of like um, just a holy irritation, <laughs> with just the very narrow view of things, just annoyed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's a thing. That should totally be a thing. Um but just feeling like, gosh, you know, it's just not true that yeah. that every guy walking around is waiting to have an affair and undress woman. And it's just not true that I'm walking around looking to seduce everyone. Um, I am I am a woman 100% of the time. I'm married, you know, I have times when I get to, to play my song of songs roles. And the rest of the time, I'm walking around just as a woman in the world looking to be a mother and a friend and a sister and a sibling. Um, 
to love people well and where is our space for that in the way we treat people and so I also I had this like holy irritation but I also had this real longing for community and relationship and friendship um, and to carve out and point to space that scripture actually gives us to do that and more than giving us permission scripture gives us a commission Mm. to live into being the family of God and I was really excited about that hence the book yeah. So, okay. I love that you said that. I love, I love the term holy irritation. I'm going to totally feel that. <laughs> I feel like I'm holy irritated about a lot. Okay, I, I mean that without the W at the beginning, but go ahead. <laughs> I really do feel like, um, this is, I, I think, I think a lot of us understand just intellectually. Yes. I can be friends with someone from the opposite sex. Like it can happen. Um, but how, mm-hmm. how, and what does God's word say? I know my friend, um, Chad, who I've been friends with for 12 years and, and I have a lot of, you know, I'm, I, 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 I lead things. I'm a leader and stuff like that. And there's a lot of male leadership out there. It's, it's kind of naive to think that you can't have relationships with people of the opposite sex that don't want to, you know, have a sexual relationship with you. Um, you have to interact, you have to engage. So how, Bronwyn, do we do this um, responsibly, responsibly? How do we, what does the Bible say about this? Help me understand, kind of pave the way for us to have healthy relationships with the opposite sex when it's such a weird conversation. <laughs> oh gosh, it can be so weird. Uh, it really can be so weird. Okay, so I think that there are diff- different stories that people tell about the way men and women can get on. And we live in a world, uh, just sort of this very sexualized, post-Freudian uh, kind yeah. of world where the way it is between a man and a woman is uh, that you don't know each other and then you meet, then you become friends and at some point then there's chemistry. And sometimes we celebrate that chemistry and it's very exciting and it's the kiss when Jim and Pam get together in the office or it's the, <laughs> you know, it's the, the wedding at the end of the rom-com, but like... Uh, we either celebrate the spark or it's the danger story. But either way, we sort of accept this premise that, you know, men and women don't know each other, then they become friends, then things get sparky, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and if that is true, if that is the way it always is between a man and a woman, then we are rightly cautious of friendship because friendship is a ste- stepping stone towards dynamite, mm. right? Okay. But scripture does not lay out that pattern for men and women as being the only way we are between one another. Mm. Um, Scripture says that long before we go through puberty and get hormones and sort of chemistry even becomes an issue, we were created and born as male and female Mm. and we die as male and female. We are men and women throughout our lives. And so whatever story we tell about men and women needs to have a much longer trajectory and a much broader perspective than just the dating and procreative years, right? We need to tell a story about how we are located as men and women made in God's image and community that that works for all cultures and all stages of life. And actually scripture does tell that story. It tells the story of family and it tells the story of God the Father who's, you know, gives fatherhood its name throughout humanity is what Ephesians 3 says. Um, it talks about us being adopted as children into his family. And then the primary way the New Testament addresses us is as siblings. The word adelphoi in the Greek, 
which in the, the old timey versions is translated as brethren, you know, dear brethren. No. Um, that's actually <laughs> saying dear brothers and sisters. It's dear yeah. siblings. Like the way the scripture actually speaks to us is as the adopted men and women, the sons and daughters, brothers and sisters in God's family. And it's not a metaphor. It's not like, oh, you're the vine and the branches. Oh, we're the, you know, the lost coins. It's not just imagery um, to be poetic. Um, scripture is actually really emphatic that we really do become the children of God. Mm. That's not just, a, that's not an image. That's, that's true. Cool. You know, like that's what the apostle John says. Like he's, he's in his eighties and he's still totally giddy. Like behold, what love the father has lavished on us mm. that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And yeah. he's so excited about it. And if we really are the children of God, that means we really are brothers and sisters with one another. So if brothers and sisters is the primary way that we see one another, that really changes the ball game, doesn't it? Totally. Because that doesn't mean that that guy over there might be my friend and, oh, he might be my lover, for better or for worse. That means that guy over there is my brother in Christ, and I should get to know him. Yeah. I love that perspective. I feel like the the man friends that I have in my life, that's kind of what we call each other. I, I, I'm going to use this example of Chad as his name. Um, we, I, we always say, I always say that he's my brother from another mother because we are almost identical people. It's kind of weird. <laughs> and his wife, and they've been on the show, his wife is almost identical to my husband. So we have this really interesting relationship. I, and we all, I always look at him as I have a brother, but as another brother in my life. And that kind of takes away any, any sort of um, weird feelings or anything that would come with not looking at him as a brother, right? That's right, um, yeah. So how, how do we sort of change this narrative in the church? I think I, I love this because this, this whole family aspect is exactly what we need to be working towards. I think, um, you know, we have to be smart about it, but how practically do we start engaging um, as brothers and sisters in Christ, not as sexual beings? Right. Oh, I, it sounds like you are already like way practicing this with, <laughs> with wisdom. <laughs> I mean, there are certainly people that I talk to about this that go, oh, you're terrifying yeah, me, really? woman. Like the church is going to like self-combust if we start <laughs> doing this. So, like we all need to work from, from the church culture we're within and say, what would it look like for us to, to treat one another more as a family? What would our meals look like? What would our greeting practices look like? What would... If we were sitting around a table, how are we with our brothers and sisters? How do we talk to them? How do we, um, yeah, how do we, how do we function? Who do we ask to do certain jobs? Um, because actually, I think most of us have a pretty good idea of how to get along with adult brothers and sisters. Yeah. But there's a little bit of a mindset shift on how, what does that look like in the church? So I think some of it has to do with language, you know, just speaking of the church's family. Um, some of it has to do with recovering and just thinking practically about the application of everything. Everybody loves to love C.S. Lewis, right? We all, all yeah. quotes come from C.S. Lewis on Pinterest. <laughs> but C.S. Lewis did write extensively about the four loves and scripture talks about different loves. And, you know, uh, yeah. many, many youth group t-shirts have got the four loves written on them. Um, but we're not really good in practice of thinking about what that looks like, you know? Mm -hmm. And so part of that is just uh, 
I think it really would help our communities to think through, huh, what does it look like uh, to express agape unconditional love with one another? We're really used to thinking about God's unconditional love for us. But let's look around us and name some examples of, oh, look, there is Agnes there expressing agape love towards her, na- her neighbor. There is Dan expressing agape love towards his coworker in doing this, like naming human examples of this. Or here is our phileo love, right? The, the thing we have in common. This is what it looks like in practice. Mm. You know, here's this person in our church caring for the fifth and sixth graders in this way. Look at them gathering around quilting. Like they have something in common. That's a phileo love. Let's celebrate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, here is a strong familial love and kinship in the way our youth group leaders are caring for one another. Once we name some of those things with one another, I think telling stories of intimacy that is appropriate and holy sparks our imagination for other ways that that could be. Because the danger is, is that we live in a world where people say love and they say intimacy and all of a sudden we have, you know, uh, country music and rom-coms on the brain. Like mm-hmm. that language has all been co-opted. But if we could paint some really beautiful pictures of um, appropriate and healthy, holy ways that intimacy is already existing in our community, we would go, oh, oh, look, that's all around us. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. We can celebrate that. What do you say to those? I I couldn't love this conversation more. Um it, it it does change. I love that you brought up the different kind of love, uh, the different kind of loves that we talk about. And you're right. Every youth group talks about them. You know, they, they, they want to make sure you know the difference. What do you say to those that are skeptical? And they're like, mm, I don't really see this as a practical thing because my girlfriend's sister got a message from a married man in her church that is flirting with her. I don't really see how this is, um, this is safe for my marriage. And I do know in a world of social media where it's easy. I mean, let's just be honest. It's easy. It's the temptation is out there. It's easy for you to start messaging uh, people. It could be secret for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, but what do you say to that person? That's like, "Mm, I, I hear what you're saying and in a perfect world, it's great, but I just can't sort of uh, divorce this brother-sisterhood from sexual feelings. What right. do you say to that? Well, let me say that um, our, our habit of just keeping men and women in separate rooms is not preventing that messaging. It's not, it's not working, right? That's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I get creepers messaging me on Instagram all the time, block, delete, like that's, <laughs> that's what we got to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think though that the practice of us telling good stories needs to enter our imagination instead of just having the bad story that comes to mind. Mm. Because we all have this really detailed idea of how the bad story can go. And my own life, you know, this has unfortunately been a story I've heard much too often. You know, it's part of the story of my own family's um, history. And I've walked with best friends through marriages that have fallen apart. um, And it's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I don't know that um, keeping men and women more apart and out of relationship would have prevented those issues. Those were Christ likeness issues and godliness issues and character issues, not an absence of rules, right? If anything, us creating um, a bit more space for people to learn other ways of being around one another, you know, uh, gives us, can meet our, our loneliness needs and meet our community needs without 
uh, it having to be explosive. You know, they say that one of the one of the best ways for um, young people who are recovering from porn addictions um, to learn better ways of being with members of the opposite sex is to have lots of healthy, small daily interactions with them because it helps break down that mental script that they have of this highly sexualized other person. Mm -hmm. And they kind of need to learn how to be normal around women again, (laughs) you know, normal around men again. And so there's actually something to be said for creating space for brother, brother, sister interactions, for uh, togetherness, for partnership, for working alongside one another, for uh, making space in our church communities and our friend groups for men and women just to have fun watching football and have fun playing sports and have fun playing board games and have fun going on mission trips and to work alongside it because it allows us to see one another as the, the fully formed image of God people than we are instead of having this, you know, very narrow, dangerous, um, sexualized view of another person. So actually I would say to the person who's like, Oh, I don't know. This is all horror story. I would say, you know, keeping, keeping it apart actually, I think makes it worse. Mm, Cause there's like a, Ooh, there's like a, Ooh, it's, it's not permitted type. Thing. Right. Yeah. It's um, dangerous. It's forbidden fruit. And if I look around yeah. me, I can tell you three dozen stories off the top of my head of wonderful men and women who are loving one another well, who are being good neighbors, who are fantastic teachers, who are great pastors, who are being older brothers and sisters to my kids. And I want to point that out and celebrate them because actually there are so many holy stories for every horror stories. Um, But if we keep on focusing on the, on the horror stories, we lose perspective. Um, Okay. So you are on the pastoral leadership team for your church and Mm -hmm. we have, we have about three minutes left. Um, we have a lot of leaders that listen to the show that, um, how do you, does your church practically encourage this brother, sister? I mean, this is, we are the body of Christ. Okay. Right. It is what it's very extremely biblical, <laughs> but how do you guys in your church? And I'm thinking of, I, I've got several leaders off the top of my head that I know listen to, um, the show. How do you encourage this in your, your home church? We, uh, we are all learning, right? <laughs> Just yeah. like all of, all of us come from families with good or bad behind us. And we're all trying to create families that are healthier than our family of origin. I think churches do the same thing. You know, there are bad church histories and good church histories, but we're yeah. all in the business of creating um, our church culture. And our particular church is working on family language um, just bringing that to the forefront of how we pray and how we greet. We talk about God, our father, we greet one another as brothers and sisters. We send out our emails to, you know, to the church family. Um, and, and it is fascinating how language shapes the way people think about one another. I think even as we've made the intentional decision to up family language, there's been this trickle effect of, uh, sort of just subconsciously seeing one another that way. Yeah. Um, and then in our leadership, we're trying to just highlight good brother sister partnership. Yeah, I think um, I think what you're what you just said is so key. You know, when it comes from the top, when it comes to the leadership of of the church or the organization or whatever it is, um, you over communicating. These are your brothers, and it it does it planted in your mind. This is I would never look at my brother in this weird hypersexualized way. So why would I look at this brother in Christ who's married to my sister in Christ 
in um in this in this way. Um, I love that perspective. I think we have a lot of work to do in this area. But um, what 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 were you going to say? Go ahead. One more thing. I think that the way we treat our adult singles matters a great deal in this because when we start to honor the ministry and work and life of the single people in our church in their thirties and forties and fifties and sixties and seventies and and welcome them to the stage and let them participate in readings and leadership. We are also doing then a, an important work in acknowledging their full participation in the family of God. That doesn't depend on their marital status. It mm. makes a huge witness um, impact to the church. I love that you said that. My sister's 40 and she's still single. Mm-hmm. And she has really struggled with uh, where do I fit um, uh, in the church because it's, it's, um, yes, I hate that we're out of time. I wanted to, I honestly could probably talk to you for another, another couple shows on this. Bronwyn Lee, um, is my guest today. Her book is so good beyond awkward side hugs. Yes. We need to go beyond these awkward side hugs. People, we need to look at our brother's in Christ and respect them, but look at them as brothers. Um, I want you to go pick up this book. It was released, I think, April 7th. And um, I really think it's going to, it's a word, a right now word uh, that needs to be addressed that actually probably should have been addressed 20 years ago so we can move past these beyond awkward side up. Bronwyn, this was awesome. Thank you for your insight and thank you for your perspective. I really appreciate you being with us today. It's a delight to be with you. Bless you, Autumn, and all your listeners. Yep. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. And y'all, thank you for listening. You know, you can catch me right back here tomorrow on The Autumn Mile Show. The Autumn Mile Show is listener supported, and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And if you make a donation of $100 or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month. This program is underwritten by Mary Maids of Fort Worth. Your future starts now. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.